You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. I'm glad that we are right now in the last installment of our series, Remember This. How many of you here so far, you're learning something? Indeed, God has a message for you tonight. And our goal here is that we want to introduce the character of God. We can only respond, okay, in who God is if we know God. At the end of the day, I've been saying this over and over again, you can only love God based on how much you have understood His love for you. You can only worship God if you understand the value of God. And this is what religion is teaching us, that you need to pursue God, you need to read your Bible, you need to do the do's and don'ts, kailangan mong gawin, and you need to do what you need to do because you are part of religion. When it comes to our pursuit of God, that's not the case. The reason why we're doing what we're doing, we come to church because we have experienced God's love for us, God's unchanging and unconditional love. And the reason why you're here, because this is not uh, really uh, what you do every single week because somebody coerced and twisted your arm. You are here because you love God. Amen? This is what we want to convey. This is what we want to communicate. And, and this, this uh, topic that we are discussing for the past four weeks came from the book of Malachi, the messenger. And the reason why this is a very, very intriguing uh, really topic because this story of, of the people of God, the chosen people of God, the Israelites, is synonymous to our present condition. And if you're familiar and for the past few weeks you've been coming in and out, we can really uh, see ourselves again how the people of God would go about really in the response of knowing God, in their reactions to their situation. And some of us here, we can relate because during uh, their time, they returned from exile and are rebuilding the temple. And they are simply uh, really creating, once again, an environment, a culture uh, for themselves. And, and the, the situation right here was a bit bleak and depressed because there are, uh, these, these people are in the process of restoring really the identity of their nation. How many of you here, at times it's really hard to uh, start all over again, rebuilding your country, and you will really encounter uh, and meet a lot of humps and bumps along the way. But eventually, if you just stick your neck out, everything will be okay. But the people of God, just like any of us, they have a lot of reactions. And they're even questioning if God loves them, if God is for them. And I know if, if uh, you, you can look back this year, 2017, how many of us here okay, uh, can relate to the situation that there was and there is a season in your life where you're down and out and you begin to question if God loves you, if God is uh, really for you, if God is against you. And we have a lot of these questions because I know that human as we are, we tend to really look at our situation, our circumstances, and what we feel, and we summarize God's plan for our lives based on what we feel. And I know that really uh, it's not proper that you base really uh, the, the character of God, the nature of God, and who God is based on what you feel. I have nothing against our emotions, but if you use what you feel as the basis of who God is, you are getting it all wrong. This is why our faith should not be what? Should be biblical and not emotional. And a lot of people nowadays, their faith is based on what they feel. When they see their Christmas bonuses, they're happy. They can worship God. I have a Christmas bonus. Oh, come, oh, leave. You, you begin to worship God. You begin to, to be intimate with the Lord when you're financially stable, I'm telling you right now. You, you, you just can't help, but, but thank God. Talagang praise the Lord, kanang praise the Lord. You always would, would mention the name of God and you want to come to church because you're blessed. And my question with you right now, what if you're not financially stable? Can you still worship God? Because the basis of a relationship with God is not circumstantial, it's not emotional. It is the nature and the character of God. How many married people are in this room? Raise your hand, you're married. Some of us, at times, you don't feel like, but, but the, um, kidding. Uh, married people, raise your hands, okay? If you're married, okay, there are days that you don't love your, your spouse. Am I correct? Or every single day, you can't help. I mean, but, 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 but be in love with your spouse, okay? Somebody's raising her hand, it's a kid, okay? I'm just kidding, okay? Um, and, and, and at times, we're like that. We, 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 we feel like that, that the love that you have with the other party is, is, is just emotional and circumstantial. But let me just correct you. That there are days that you're not in love with your spouse, but you choose to what? To bear with her or him. Why? Because that's not just love. It's commitment. The goal is that we, we, we always go back to, why are we here? Why are we married? Same thing with our relationship with God. That if you know God, your faith increases in your knowledge of God. This is why there are a lot of people that when it comes to their walk with God, they're, they're what? They're, 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 they're stunted. They're, they're not growing because it goes back to your knowledge of God. The more you know God, the more you trust God. 
So if you look at your life for the past 5, 10 years, your reactions are totally different because you're growing in your walk with God. When you look at a situation, when you are in a problem, you begin to respond differently. Why? Because you know God. Some of us, we would want to really look at our problem and solve it the way we, we want it to be solved. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to solve your problem provided you have to remind yourself, kailangan kausapin mo yung sarili mo, kilala ko bang Panginoon? Do I really know God? Because in my knowledge of God, I can approach this problem. It is helping you. Because it goes back to the, uh, to, to, to the reason we're in, do, do you trust that God will pull you through? So the question is not solving the problem. It's faith that God is for you. The problem with us is that when we are caught in a situation, we, we tend to what? We tend to walk in fear and, and we walk in what? In, in, in our insecurities or, or we don't feel secure that God will pull us through. The problem is faith and we're afraid that God will not come forth. This is the situation of the people of God in the book of Malachi. The message was communicated in Malachi chapter 3 and if you have your Bibles right now, the book of Malachi is before Matthew 3, okay? 13 to uh, chapter 4. So what, what do I mean by this one? Because these people are blaming God. And all of us, one way or the other, we have been guilty of this. That even if you don't verbalize it and you speak about it, there was and there is a season and there was a season in your life where you have spoken negative things against God. You have entertained certain thoughts that, Lord, am I really... Your choice? Do you really love me? I thought if I hand my life over to, uh, to you and surrender my life and give my heart to you, you will take care of me. How come I'm not seeing any breakthroughs? Some of you here, you're still waiting. For the past 11 months, you're praying, Lord, bless my life, and you don't see the blessings of God. So if you're not blessed by God, therefore, God doesn't love you. Am I correct? That's how we define from our perspective. You cannot question God that He loves you because He's God. Whatever He has decided, He will remain true to it. So, Lord, if you love me, how come you're not blessing my life? Because more than just God blessing your life, ladies and gentlemen, more than just God blessing your life, He is more interested with your heart. Because if God will bless you with what you want and what you need, but if your heart is what? Wrong, everything will always be wrong. God can bless you, but if your heart is wrong, even God, if God will bless you, you will still complain. And if God will provide for the things that you need and you want, and He will bless you perfectly and provide for everything that you want, from your love life to your promotion to your savings account to everything, you will still complain because your heart is wrong. So God has to solve the problem of our hearts before He goes about blessing His people. This is what He's simply communicating. Remember about a week ago, we talked about how we would want to really respond in our, uh, in our giving, that God is inviting us to give our tithe. Again, I'm not requiring anybody to give. The Word of God says, tithe your 10%. Why am I not requiring as your pastor for you to give? Because the problem is not even your giving. Your problem is what? Your heart. How many of you here, men, if you love a hobby, you don't care about your savings account? Women, if you see a nice bag, your, your, your understanding of your balance sheet changes. When you see a sale, how many of you here can relate with me? That, that four-letter word with a white font, okay, on top of a red background, has a demonic voice, come patronize me. If you don't buy me, you will lose me. Do you understand? And we have a reason of what? Of justifying to ourselves that this is a perfect opportunity. The, 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 the sale is calling me. This must be the will of God. Why? How many of you here can relate with me? When you want to buy something, you have all the reasons in the world that this is the right thing to do. Huh? Can, you, can you relate with me? Because again, we're biased. And because of these emotions that we have, and there's nothing wrong with having an emotion, this is from God. But if this is not properly in the right place, you will do more harm than good. This is why Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 is simply an attack not on, 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 on their nature as a, a, a nation. This was, this was really God's message to check the condition of their hearts. Chapter 3, it says right here, verse 16, Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. Let me start with verse 13. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have you spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? 
And now, we call the arrogant blessed. Evil doers not only prosper, they put God to the test and they escape. Verse 16, Then those of you, the Lord, spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And the book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Verse 1 of chapter 4, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither nor what? Neither root nor branch, but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like cows from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Some of you here probably you got lost in translation, okay? And, and that, that passage is quite lengthy. Hang on, I will explain further so that you will not be confused, okay? But before I dive into the heart of our message, can you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done this evening. I pray for your word, Lord God, to be clear, that it will be communicated, Lord God, with clarity, that will give us, Lord God, this posture of uh, thankfulness that this year, though it's not a perfect year, you've been so good and faithful to us. Maraming salamat, Panginoon. And today, Lord God, as we have witnessed your faithfulness, give us, Lord God, the grace to look forward. The life that we have here is temporary. There is a place, Lord God. There is a coming judgment, Lord God. And the people that has given their lives to you, Lord God, will be rewarded. Thank you for each and every person that they will have a perspective, Lord God, beyond, Lord God, our, our lives here and, and how we live our lives, Lord God, in this planet. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You know, our discussion last week uh, ended in verse 12 of chapter 3. Am I correct? God has promised to bless His people, but He has to correct their hearts. Am I correct? So our uh, passage ended with, in, in verse 12. We're starting in what? In verse 13. If you take a closer look, 13 is uh, a message of, uh, of, um, of uh, the people of God okay, trying to, uh, in a way, accuse God of something. It says right here in verse 13, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. God was telling them, your, what? your words are harsh, but you say, how have we spoken against you? It's like a question, how have we robbed you? Okay, last week, they were asking God. You have said it is vain to serve God. They said it is ver- uh, vain to serve God. It is no of no value to serve God. How is this possible? Remember, the people of God are what are are are, are, are the, the, the chosen uh, nation of God, and God has been verbalizing His love for them uh, and, and His unchanging nature that He is for these people. In fact, the first part of chapter one says right there that I have love you. The goal of God is to melt them. And some of us here can relate. The reason why you're in church, because you have been melted by the love of God. The time and time and again, you've been what? You've been faithless, but God has been faithful. That you are not really good, but God has been so good to you. Am I correct? Even after you came to the Lord, God has shown His goodness to you. And here you are. You're amazed. Lord, thank you that you have been faithful and good to me. That this year, though it's not perfect, you have been faithful. This was the message of God. And here they are. What I, can I profit in what? In following God. What is the profit of our keeping His charge or His commands or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? What can I get with having God in my life? And all of us are guilty of this. One way or the other, we've been asking ourselves or the people around us, what can I get in going to church? That's just a, re- a religious routine. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, I'm okay. Now, the reason why they're like this, because even though God has validated that these are my what, my people, my possession, they have not experienced a relationship with God. Remember, all of our reactions springs from how well we know God. 
How many of you here this week you have reacted negatively against somebody or a person or your employees or, or that person who, who cut you in, in, the, in, in, in traffic? It's not because you're, you're, you're hot-tempered. No, 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 no. Your reaction is based on your knowledge of God. Haven't you noticed you're harsh five years ago? And the more you know God, the more you become sensitive. Five years ago, you're, you're stingy. You're not generous. The more you know God, you become generous. Is this helping you? Your progress has a lot to do with your relationship with God. As you grow in your walk with God, changes will what follow. So these people are simply worshiping God because of what they can get from God. Some of us, we, will, we, we tend to go to church because we're asking something from God. And when you remember all of this, of who God is and His nature, everything that you do in life is influenced by it. So my question with you right now, is it more important to face your problem and solve your problems based on how you would want to solve your problems or the first component in solving the problem is to get to know God first? Because if you know God, your approach will be different. Am I correct? When you know the character of God, then you can trust God that indeed, Lord, I don't know what the future holds for me, but you'll fill in the blanks. This is why. In verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. This is beautiful. Because in in the midst of all of this, that they're blaming God and they're harsh against God, that they're simply saying, it's in vain to follow God. Walang kwenta. Okay? Para sambahin ng Panginoon. It's, 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 It's really in vain to worship God. But God has set apart a group of people. And in the same manner, how many of you here, you're thankful they're just like the people of God, the Lord has chosen all of us. Aren't you grateful that God has handpicked you? That even though you're great, I'm glad that we have a great God. Even though we're not awesome, I'm glad we have an awesome God. That there is nothing in you that is totally appealing, but God brought you in. Because it is His decision. In fact, He has spoken in the book of Romans that He will have mercy to those that He will have mercy. So if you're telling me right now, I deserve to be in the kingdom of God. Nobody deserves to be in the kingdom of God because all of us are what? Are evil in our nature. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written. They realized something and they, 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 they talked to the people around them. What is this that God is telling us? Then I believe that all of us here are beginning to really understand that when we encounter God, we begin to look at our what our condition. That there is nothing in us that is attractive, and yet God has chosen us. So that a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. How many of you here, you feared God and you esteem his name? All of us in this room. And this portion was an important, what, important chapter of their lives that God has to what? Once again, remind them that you are remembered. In fact, I love this because the last chapter of the book was an affirmation that God wants to what possess them, that they are gods. They're owned by Him. Now think about this. After Malachi chapter 4 is what? Is the New Testament, right? Malachi and Matthew. But the last book of the Old Testament is the book of? The first book of the New Testament is Matthew. In between is 400 years of silence. I love silence but not when my wife is silent. Do you understand? That's another story. So 400 uh, years of silence was in fact a preparation. How do you deal with silence when you feel like God, uh, God is nowhere to be found? This is what I like about the story of Malachi, that he's preparing the people of God. How do you approach this? How do you go about this? In verse 17, this is what I like about how God has affirmed his people. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. Amidst all their accusation against God, you're still mine. What if you don't want me? I will not change. Remember our topic two weeks ago? God isn't changing. When he says, you're mine, you're mine. When he says, I have redeemed you, I will be true to my word. This is why it is so important for us to go back and be reminded of this passage, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. God is simply saying, there is a day 
wherein I will have to make a decision that the people who doesn't want to pursue me will suffer, okay, what they have decided upon. I will what? I will take care of my people because they're mine. And I want to remind you, the day you handed your life over to Christ, you are possessed by God. You're owned by God. And because of that possession, that though you don't deserve to be possessed by God, who is perfect, God opted to possess you. And the more you understand that God has taken you in and God has embraced you and God has adopted you into His family, you are melted by His love that you can help but change. Transformation is not something that you meditate upon that you concentrate to change. You cannot change by meditation. But one thing I know, when you are what? When you're melted by the love of God, that He took you in and accepted you, you'll come to a place of realization that, Lord, thank you for taking me in. How many of you here have experienced that? I don't deserve your love, but you gave it anyway. Can we give Him all the glory? Because of His mercy. Then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. The word is once more, or the phrase, indicates that such distinction between the righteous and the wicked have been previously demonstrated, perhaps in the book of Exodus. God has validated, even in the past, that He will create a thin red line between the wicked and the righteous. Thus, we now understand that when you know God, God doesn't have to call forth a dividing line and say, these are for the righteous, these are for the wicked. In fact, when you know God, you know where you stand. The people who walk in righteousness are not individuals who are exemplifying righteousness because of the religion. That's not your distinction that you're attending victory. That's your good. You're good because you have a good God. You're good because you're a product of God's goodness. People will tell you be good because you're part of a religion. No, 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 that will not work. The reason why you're good, because that's the byproduct of your newfound faith. You have a relationship with God, therefore it will come out naturally. How many of you here, it's natural for you to eat? Anybody here? When I was a kid, my mom would feed me, uh, I don't know what, but, but in order for me to gain my appetite. Now I'm looking for a, 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 a vitamins or, or, or a medicine that will prevent me from eating. Do you understand? How many of you here, it's natural for you to eat? Anybody here? You love to eat. It's, it's just my hobby. I love to eat. So walking in righteousness is the byproduct, natural. Because you're a product of this relationship that you have with God. So when a person is classified as somebody righteous because of, of the relationship that he has with God. And it can only happen... When you begin to interface with God, when you have a relationship with God, remember in the book of Joshua, those who know their God will be strong and will do mighty exploits. You'll be strong and you will do mighty exploits because of your knowledge of God. It goes back to your relationship with God. That's the reason why if you're sick and tired of people with the way they, they would go about their lives and all their decisions, don't question why they would decide in, 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 in a distorted manner. Go back. Do you know God? Do you understand God? Because I've seen a lot of people who are selfish. I've seen a lot of people, and I'm not saying I'm not. I've been in that road before, and even there are days that I'm selfish. And some of, uh, of the people I, I've, I've met in the past, they, 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 they love themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. That they have to really dress well in order for them to really be what? Be acceptable to people, for people to love them and accept them. And it is one thing that I've, I've, I've discovered through the years, that the more that you dress well, and the more you become impressive to be accepted by people, the more you become insecure. Haven't you noticed that? I need to gain this to be loved by people. And you don't feel it. That indeed, the world, everybody should love and accept you. You strive to fight for it, but the more you fight for it, the more you become insecure. Because later on, you will discover that the more you look good, there's somebody who's good looking than you. And the more you look at your body and lose weight, the more that somebody is Good looking than you. So why bother lose weight? I'm kidding. My point is, because it naturally comes out all of our insecurities and our limitations when we don't know God. Because there's only one source of security and validation. That the things that you pursue, 
not the money in your savings account, not the looks that you have. It is the nature of God that He isn't changing, He is faithful. And when you experience the faithfulness of God, it gives you the validation that God, no matter what comes my way, even though I will not perform well, you'll be faithful. Honestly, this year, a lot of us here are lazy. A lot of us. But you're still blessed. You wake up at 2 in, in the afternoon and you work at 3 and then go back at 4 and sleep. I mean, but you're still blessed. Am I correct? I have nothing against that. I can't even explain. Why would God still bless you? Because Him and His nature is never dependent on your performance that if you work for 8 hours, these are the things that I will, I will bless you with. Even if you work for about 30 minutes, He is God and his fa- our Father. And His generosity is dependent not on your condition, but in His nature. That if you realize and you have collided with, with how good God, God has been, you can't help but God repent and Lord let me embrace how to work well and to work hard because you've been so good. A lot of people will take advantage of that. You've been so good, so let me abuse you. This is what's happening to his own people. But God, time and time and again, has been faithful to them because God is expecting that they'll be faithful, that they will understand, they will repent, and they will realize and shape up. But nothing has changed. Look at your life. Nothing has changed. Before you came to the Lord, look at your life. You are like them. This is why, fast forward after the book of Malachi, Jesus was sent. We'll talk about it. Because if they can do it, somebody has to do it. You can't do it. Somebody has to go go to the cross. This is why the journey of the people of God is an affirmation of His faithfulness. They're not faithful, but He's faithful. Wanting everybody to come into repentance. Why? Because in chapter 4 of verse 1, for behold, the day is, I'm faithful now, but the day will come that I have to draw the line. Enough is enough. How many of you here, you have people that you know, that they're nice, they're good, they're loving, they're patient. Some of us are like that. But there's a place to say, enough is enough. God is slow to anger and abounding in love. But here, it says right here, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. The decision has to be made. And haven't you noticed that the grace of God is just overwhelming, that God has waited for all of us to come into repentance, even our loved ones, even the people, part of your family, God is waiting for them. Because God is simply saying, I cannot just make a decision now. I will wait for everybody to turn to me. What a beautiful God. And this is why we're so much part of it. In fact, chapter 3, 13, okay, is part of this whole scenario. Because Malachi speaks of a day that God has eternity to right all wrongs and reward all good. Malachi is simply saying that this day is a day not to refine okay, people of who they are and how God wants to change them, change them. The heat of the oven is not to refine a gold so that a dross can be removed. It's also in the book of Malachi. But this refining is for our destruction. When you say our destruction or the destruction of the wicked is the day where God has to say, I'll have to destroy. I'll have to cut this. But for people like us who have submitted our lives, the day where God has to come and judge is a day for everybody who has submitted their lives to be excited of this coming day. I hope that you have a great anticipation of His coming. You know, I want to give you an illustration right here. You know, my, 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 my 10-year-old and 11-year-old son and, and, and daughter is always fighting, okay? Not every day, but every night. My, um, they're fighting. 
And you know what? Of course, my daughter can't, can't win against his brother. Fast forward, you know what my daughter does every single day? Is to tell his brother, wait for my dad to come home. She would, she would stay right in front of the door and call me. You know what, dad? I don't have to mention his name. Did these things to me. And of course, my son is nowhere to be found. It's, it's a day of judgment for our family. I'll have to decide after five minutes. I don't see any doubt in the face of my daughter. She's confident I will do what is right and necessary. My question with you right now, do you have that confidence that though you, you are in a situation where things are, are not okay in your life right now, both financially and emotionally, but you're simply saying, Lord, people have bullied me, people have taken advantage of me, people have accused me. The day is coming when all wrongs will be made right. Do you have that perspective? Can we give God the glory for that? But the catch for people like us that are bitter, that as we wait for that judgment, that someday God will correct all the accusations. When you arrive that day, you are so changed that you will intercede for God not to judge those who have taken things against you. Isn't that amazing? That here you are, you're fighting for vindication that God will make it, will make it right. And when you arrive after five years, you're simply saying, Lord, don't judge the people that has judged me. Lord, bless them so that they will come into the saving knowledge of Christ, that they will be part of this what? Of the fellowship of the unashamed. Here you are, nagningit-ngit ka. Someday, God, I hope you'll strike them. But after four or five years, you don't want God to strike them because the problem is not them. The problem is your heart. You're bitter. This is what the gospel has done into my life. That I talk about the coming judgment of God. I talk about the future. Because even though I don't want God to judge the wicked, God has to. This is why I pray, I ask God to intervene that the wicked will come to the saving knowledge of God. I don't want the wicked to go to hell. I want the wicked to come to the saving knowledge of God, that they will have a relationship with God. But more than just my desire for them to come to the saving knowledge of God, I'm excited of the coming judgment. That as I repent and I, as I have handed my life over to God, God is coming. I look forward to that day. How many of you here, you look forward for the coming judgment? Because for a lot, it's the worst day of their lives. But for my daughter, it's the best day of her life. How many of you here, you're convinced that there's a place for us called heaven? There's a perfect place for the people of God. Am I correct? And you will see that the coming judgment. The problem is that you think up here, but you are not fully convinced as a human being that there's such place, that there's such judgment someday. You know why? Let me give you this story. How many of you here, for the past few months, or probably in the coming year, you have this dream vacation destination? Anybody here? Ah, piece of fair. Ten years ka na naghanap ng piece of fair to Europe. Anybody here? All of us, right? We want to go to a place. Right? You want to go to Pampanga. Something like that. It's a, a dream. What's wrong with you, okay? Or Bulacan, okay? Or your backyard. It's a, a dream destination, okay? No, no. All of us, right? We're thinking of, of, of countries. And this is one of the things I've discovered, okay? You know what? I, I, when, I, when I, I'm shooting for a place, I would do research. I'll talk to people. I'll, I'll ask inputs. And this year, it has been our dream to go to Lake Tahoe, okay? Uh, it's not from a camera. It's from the internet. But, but when I Googled Lake Tahoe, okay, it gave me this photo. But, but the place is really stunning and awesome, okay? Because I have so much money. Um, <laughs> okay, the, re- <laughs> yeah, but, no, the reason why I, 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 my, my family and I, I really um, has been shooting for this place. And last summer, we, we went and took a vacation because of the help of my mother-in-law. Do you understand? Okay, this was really a blessing from her and a lot of people that I knew in the past. Bless us, and it was a great treat for my family. But you know what? I talk about this with my, 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 my family members. I talk about this with my friends. I, it, it, was, it was a story of, of how God has been faithful in providing U.S. visa and, and our trip to the U.S. Why do we talk about this? Because I'm highly convinced that this place exists. I've been in this place, and it has made a difference in my life. Now, my question with you right now, can you elaborate your, your dream destination? 
or you have visited a country and you talk so much about it. My question with you right now, have you talked about your famous vacation destination the way you have talked about heaven? Because after all, ladies and gentlemen, that's your dream destination. There's one thing I know, everybody lives forever somewhere. Do you talk about it? But you don't because you're not convinced that you're going there. If you're so convinced in your heart because you have your encounter with God and you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you talk about heaven. But heaven is just a concept. Heaven is just an idea. This is why starting today, I believe that God has changed your heart. And I'm convinced from where I stand, God is slowly working in your heart and allowing you to have realizations. Lord, how come I don't talk about this? Because after all, you are just taking a break in this planet. This is only your pit stop. Eternity is your final destination. This is why in verse 2 it says right here, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You know, a lot of commentary says that the Son of Righteousness is the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than just the, 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 the picture of Christ is that he will rise healing in its wings. It's a transition statement that this is what I will do with the wicked and the righteous, but he's simply saying that when he comes here, he will rise like a sun. And the context of the, this is that when uh, every single day you don't see a sun and you're, 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 you're freezing and you're cold. How many of you here, you've been in that situation? Okay, you're so cold because of snow. Anybody here? Of course, okay, I can even relate. But my point is, just imagine, okay? <laughs> or probably you went into a, a, a certain place where it's too cold and you're waiting for heat to come. It is so relaxing for you to experience that heat. A lot of us here are probably in that situation where you're down and out, you're gasping for air, you have so many problems, you're sick. But healing is coming. Restoration is coming. Hang on, don't quit, don't give up. The judgment of God is coming. And for those who has endured more than just you going to heaven, those who has been faithful will be rewarded. All of us, if you know that your relationship with God is authentic, when you die, you're going to heaven. But when you're in heaven, my question with you right now, will you be rewarded of what you've done in this planet? I don't know what you've done, but it would be laid bare. Because this is one of the things that I realize that God has given us a glimpse of that healing. Some of you here, you're living in this world where there's so much sin, Satan, and death. But one thing I know, there are days that you're, you're blessed financially. There are days that you're okay physically. These are pictures that God is simply saying the entirety or the fullness of this will take place as you bear with the challenges of life and not give up. Everything that we see, the worship for about 30 minutes, we will be doing this for 24-7. And you would enjoy the presence of God. This is the life that God has prepared for His people. This is the life that we look forward to. This is the life that we would want to have. Thus, we cannot really even have a grip of the things of this world. Even the things that you own and possess, you lighten your grip because there is a better destination. Is this helping you? This is why. In verse 3, it says right here, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. There is a reversal. Before you are trampled by the wicked, now you're the one, okay, doing it. This is not to tell you that this is our dream that we would want to trample the wicked because this is what the gospel wants to tell us, to love the wicked. But a coming judgment, something will take place that the people of God will be lifted high. Remember the law of my servant Moses. The statutes and the rules that I commanded him at heart for all Israel. They were reminding these people that as you have pursued God, remember the what? The law and the commandments of Moses. What do we mean by this one? Because this is one thing that I have been observing. A lot of Christians, they are well-meaning Christians, but they know nothing about the Word of God. What do I mean by, by this one? That when you're enjoying your relationship with God and you don't have an appetite for God's Word, that is emotional faith. The intimacy that we have with God should what? Should empower us to open our Bibles. And the law right here is an expression wherein the law is something just like I think the book of Jeremiah or Isaiah. 
that says right there that God will write the law in our hearts. What do I mean by this one? Something that you do naturally. It is not something that you do in order for you to really recognize or classify yourself that you are a Christian, I'm part of Victor, therefore I do this. Remember what I told you? It naturally comes out that you're following the law because of this relationship that you have with God. Apart from the relationship that we have with God, the law is tiring. The law is a burden. Those shall not lie. I love to lie. Those shall not steal. I'm tempted to steal. How can I do this? The reason why you're like that because your passion is not God. Your passion is what? Selfishness and stealing. And power and recognition. But when you're fulfilled in Christ because of your relationship with God, you don't need to do what is not right because it is your relationship with God that teaches you to follow the law. How many of you here can relate with me? This is why following the law becomes a delight. It becomes a desire. This is what he's telling his people. Remember the law of Moses that as you bear for the next 400 years, this is going to be a great ride of your life. 400 years you will wait. If you're doing the law for the sake of doing the law, you'll fail. But how many of you here, you've been in a situation where your relationship with your spouse or your friend or somebody that you love is just exhilarating that though things might not work well, as long as the relationship is okay, everything is okay because the heart is okay. Verse 5, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Be confusing. The Lord Moses, Elijah, so simple. Elijah the prophet is a great man of God during their time who is a representation of, their, of, 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 of a great moral or they call a man of moral catalyst. In fact, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. When Elijah was introduced, he was, he was being, being, being communicated by Malachi the messenger that this is the guy. But if you take a closer look after 400 years, Jesus Christ validated, I think in the book of Matthew, that indeed... John the Baptist was in fact the object of Elijah. The object, or, or should I say, the man that he calls the messenger. So Malachi was simply saying, Elijah will do this. But Elijah was saying, yes, but 400 years down the road, there is somebody. Jesus said that, I think in the book of Matthew, that John the Baptist is the guy. You know what John the Baptist did? He pointed to Jesus. 400 years and everything has been mapped out for the redemption of you and me. Is this helping you? It's kind of deep, but I hope you understand the beauty of God's love, that God loves you so much that He planned it out. Anybody here who has been in love once and the love of your life doesn't have any plan? As long as we're in love, we're okay. If the person loves you, there is a plan. Man, you need to have a plan. He might be good-looking. Ask him now if he's courting you. Do you have a plan? In Jesus' name. <laughs> this is God. Having a plan. God sends Elijah the prophet. And Jesus validated that Elijah was pointing to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was pointing to Christ. And when Christ went to the cross, he's pointing to the church. Go as I have communicated the message. And the message has not changed. God is good. God is loving. He's for His people. His people cannot comply to what God wants. Therefore, somebody has to. And His name is Jesus. The gospel is so simple. We owe God a lot. God is asking us to pay it. But we can't. He sent the payment to satisfy the debt that He didn't owe. Story of the gospel. This is why verse 1 of chapter 3, let's backtrack, says right here, Behold, I send my, this might be Elijah, but not Elijah. This might be what? John the Baptist, but not John the Baptist. John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus. That I even, I'm not fit. 
to untie his sandals, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That the coming of Christ was never based on the law. We mentioned the law of Moses, but the coming of Christ and the redemption of humanity is never dependent on as long as you apply the commandments of God, you're okay. No, 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 no. You apply it because of your relationship with God. In fact, a famous pastor in the U.S. mentioned that at times a lot of Christians are so consumed not breaking the law. They're not consumed that more than just breaking the law, you can break God's heart. Do you exist? Not to break the law or not to break God's heart. This is why the book of Revelation, chapter 21, says right here, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. All of us, I do pray, that as we live in this planet and pursue the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in our walk with God, that as we mature in our understanding of the Lord, we will conquer anything that comes our way. What is my prayer for all of you? That in the coming judgment, you can say, God, I have accepted I'm not perfect. I'm evil. As a wife, I'm not. As a husband, I'm not. As a father, I'm not. But Lord, every single day, give me the grace that though I'm not perfect, I'm evil. Help me submit to you. Give me the grace to see the gospel. That I will look at my life and though I'm tempted to fix my heart, God, fix my life. Do something with my life because I want you more than anything in this world. Some of you have so many questions. Ask God, Lord, I have a lot of questions. I am having a hard time trusting you. You can tell God. That was the case. Okay? Of your beloved pastor 22 years ago. I was having a hard time. Brought it up to God and say, God, I want to I wanna, I wanna be there in the coming judgment. I'm telling you right now, there is so much grace, ladies and gentlemen, that if you want to draw closer to the coming day, I hope that you will not give up. I hope you will not quit. I hope you will not throw in the towel and surrender. Because it says right here, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There is a day for the wicked. But for people that are in this planet that are making a decision, will I follow God or not? If you have followed the Lord, if you have given your life to God, invest in the kingdom of God. Because great is the reward of those people who will invest in the kingdom of God. Now, let me bring it to you further. Remember this. Some of us, we find this judgmental. I thought God is good. God is loving. Why would he send people to hell? It was not God who sent people to hell. It was the people who did not pursue God who opted to go to hell. Remember this. Hell is a place where God is nowhere or the presence of God is nowhere to be found. The presence of God, right? No presence of God in hell. Think about this. If you've been living your life without the presence of God, where do you think you deserve to go? Because if you've been living your life without the presence of God in this planet, therefore, you can't. Just expect yourself to go to a place where the presence of God is manifested. You have lived life in hell while you're alive. Therefore, it is just proper that you continue with that life. What is hell? The absence of the grace of God. You're acquainted. Without God, you would rather go to a place without God. This is why people like us, though we have a lot of challenges that comes our way, but we have surrendered our lives to Christ every single day, is an exciting day. There's a great anticipation of His coming judgment. For the lost, it's the worst day. For the found, the best day. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is faithful. Amen. And His coming will be fulfilled. This is for us who has surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. This year, He has been faithful. Next year, He will be faithful. Your marriages, to your businesses, to your career, to your finances, to your parenting skills, to your, everything that you put your hands as you invite Him into the picture and welcome Him into your life. You know what? Next month is Christmas. I hope that you will bring in more people into the kingdom of God. Not because it's a requirement, 
but because we want to see our family members in the coming judgment. Where we want them to be on the other side, not on the darker side, should I say. Remember this, that there's no way out only when we hand our lives over to God. Can we just take this moment right now to bow our heads and close our eyes? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken to the book of Malachi. That you're faithful. You don't want to coerce your people. You don't want to twist their arm. You just want to say, my son, my daughter, I just want to be faithful to you. I want to show you how much I love you because I'm waiting for you to turn to me so I can turn to you. Daughter, this is what I promise. Every single day might not be perfect. But I will come for the second time. And I will call you mine. And I want you right now to take this moment to thank God. Can we raise our hands across the room? I want you right now to slowly thank God for your finances, for your family members, for your job, for friends, for church, for your career. What a beautiful year. Wasn't perfect, yes, but still a beautiful year. And if God could have done this, I am highly convinced He is waiting for the day where everything will be made new, where everything will be restored, where everything will be perfectly arranged for you and for me. And Lord, I pray for the hands that are lifted high that they will not give up in the middle of the race. That every single day, though it's not perfect, and it will never be perfect, it will not be perfect. Every single day, We will have excitement in our faces because we know that you're coming. We're excited for your arrival, oh God. And we're saying and asking, make us faithful to the very end. Make us faithful to the very end. Make us faithful to the very end. And we will not quit. We will not give up we will be sustained by your grace and your love that we will not run out of energy in serving you. This we ask in your name. Amen. And amen.